I see a couple of people that might be pickled tonight. <laughs> Have y'all been being encouraged? Encouraged in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Encouraged in pursuing Him? So I just want to cover, um, we're going to talk tonight on why we should pray in tongues, part one. But before I get into that, you know, when we, anytime we start teaching on the whole person of the Holy Spirit, the gifts, the tongues, any of that, questions start arising. And that's awesome. I say ask away. Ask away because God's faithful. He's faithful and he's going to come through and answer. And um, so one of the big questions, and this is always a question, not just here at Celebration, um, but really across the world, is if someone else prays in tongues regularly, and I don't, because one, I've never received my prayer language, or two, I've only received it once and it never happened again, does it make them more spiritual? Guess what? No. We can get born again. Remember I told you all a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, every, all the days run together, about that group of boys in Honduras that came to our service and got nailed under the power of God, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, and had never heard the gospel. They just saw Christ in us. They saw something supernatural. They weren't afraid of it. They were open, and so they received him. And the very next day, we had to walk them through what salvation was. And so if, if the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even the gifts uh, of the Spirit were about maturity, then we wouldn't be able to receive them upon salvation immediately. So with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, and even the gifts of the Spirit, which we'll talk about in a few weeks, that doesn't, that doesn't mean spiritual maturity. That means we're open. Everybody say open. It's the difference between yielded to God, open, or being closed. Well, I know better. Well, I don't need that. I'm not going to look like that. Or trying to rationalize it in our minds. And that usually will be the difference. Does that make any sense between someone that's willing to just receive and flow freely and someone that's kind of what we like to say stopped up? <laughs> yeah, he said it, I didn't. <laughs> now, really quick, just for the sake of all the questions, the... Um, Fruit of the Spirit, that has to do with our maturity. The fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, um, long-suffering, those are the things that are going to be produced in our life after a, a longevity, a relationship, a closeness with Christ as we live and breathe and walk with Him, and the very character or nature within us begins to be molded into Christ-likeness. That's where more of the maturity becomes to, comes in. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, and I'm like, hey, you get born again? Let me tell you about the Holy Ghost. Let's get you baptized right now before you can think enough and rationalize that you don't need it because really you can have it right there upon salvation. Does that help a little bit? And then I'll answer the other question in just a moment. So, why do we pray in tongues? Well, you know, speaking in tongues really is one of the most controversial things in Christianity. Do we agree? I mean, it is, it will start, the fire will start falling when you spring up tongues in many circles. And why is that? I, and this is a personal side note. I really think it's because it's so powerful. It's the difference between living a natural minded Christianity and a spirit filled Christianity. 
Because you see, natural, there's, you, you know, we have the natural mindedness isn't necessarily sinful. We can be born again going to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, without the dunamis power equipping us to live supernaturally and be a really good person in love with Christ, born again, going to heaven, but just live naturally. We like the things of the world, naturally minded. And, and that, that, that doesn't make us any better than anyone else. It's just the fact of the matter. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live Christianity like that. If, if Christ came in John 10.10, to give us life and life abundant. I want to know what that abundant life is. I had a friend tell me one time, you know, I didn't do dating when I became a Christian or anything like that. And I had this guy that was pursuing me a little bit. This is years and years ago in Lafayette. And finally, after a couple of months, he said, you know, I don't think, I don't think that we should even try to pursue this anymore. And I'm thinking, you think? And he said, because you're one of those people that's going to take life and write it for all that it is. He goes, and that makes me nervous. I just want to watch other people. <laughs> but he's the same person that told me that I was crazy to stop being so hungry and pursuing all the things of God I was because I would be held accountable. So do you see the difference in personalities and that the difference in relationships with Christ? And so as Christians, he's come to give us, you and I were handpicked, called out to live a life of abundance, to live a life beyond anything you and I could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And if you're sitting there today going, but you don't even know my story, let me tell you, he does. And he chooses the base things of this world to confound the wise. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important to me. I know that there's nothing special about me. I know there's nothing special about him. I mean, you know. But what makes us different, what sets us apart, is our willingness to be open, our willingness to be hungry, to be yielded, to say, God, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I may have my 10-year goal and my whatever goal, but God, I can't do any of it. It's just well wishing without you active and alive in my life. That's the kind of Christian life we're looking to live. And that really, we're expecting all of you to jump on board. So if you're afraid of the Holy Ghost and your heavenly prayer language, good. Let's, let's, let's belly up tonight and let's tell him, that makes me so nervous and I'm scared to death and I think I'm like that guy in Lafayette. I just want to watch them be crazy. Because once you can be belly up, to the bar of the Holy Ghost and be honest with him, he can begin the work in your heart. And he can begin to reveal why you're afraid and where your insecurities are and where your questions come from. And then what happens is, is the Holy Ghost is the liquid love of Christ. It begins to ooze down to all those places of hurt and heartache and confusion. And in a moment of time brings clarity. I can still remember, has anyone ever heard of Heidi Baker? Okay, if you haven't, go Google her. Because I still remember the night she was preaching at Victory. I never saw her. I had to Google her for a picture. This is where she was the whole night. But she was kind of laying down. And I'm not joking. She preached from under there. But her pulpit was, was wood. You couldn't see her. And she's preaching about the love of God. And I can still remember. I'm on this side, the last set of aisle, half of the way back. 
And it's about three quarters of the way through the night, and I found myself face first on the ground, crying, like snotty crying, kicking my legs, thinking, oh my gosh, I'm one of those people. <laughs> oh. But my inner man was, Lord, Lord, I love you. Because she was preaching on his love and stubborn me. I'm like, but I do love you. I heard from you and moved all the way from Lafayette for you. But he was saying, Heather, I want you to love me. And I began to cry out, Lord, help me to love you. I don't know what it is to love you with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul. What, if, what does that look like? I had been a believer for years. I had been in leadership for years. But in moments like that, when we can get just really undressed before the Lord, not hiding anything, that's when he can begin to do a deep work. Because all of a sudden we're open. We're open. And, and that began, Lord, how, teach me how to love. Who in the world did I think that I was that I knew how to love when he is love? How could I even begin to love without him? And had I not yielded that night, where would I be today? I'm really quite afraid. So I challenge you to not run for the hills, to not stay closed-minded, to not stay closed-hearted, but belly up tonight. Lord, I'm afraid, but if it's you, I want it. Reveal to me your truth. Reveal to me why I'm afraid. Let's go there. Are you willing to trust him? It's not about trusting me. You know, last week at this altar, someone had a word of knowledge for someone. We walked out that word of knowledge. It was confirmed. And then the Lord had me walk this person through deliverance right here. Did anybody else know what was happening? Eh, probably three people in the place. And then this person got right there. And the atmosphere of heaven, a sin that he's been struggling with for years before I ever knew where Akron, Ohio was. Right there, set free. A moment of time. Moment of time. What do you need to get healed from tonight? What do you need to get set free from? Who's hurt you that you can't get over? Just saying. In his presence. So, now that y'all love me so much, one of the reasons why we speak in tongues is to bring restoration. It should be on page 45 in your book if you're following restoration of divine communication with God. You know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, before the fall, they walked with God. They talked with God. There was nothing hidden between them and God. Jonathan Edwards has a sermon called Heaven is a World of Love that describes this kind of communion, communing with God. And it's the kind of communing that you and I wouldn't ever misinterpret what God's trying to say would never misinterpret his heart, but we would have full understanding of what he's saying to us in that moment. Could you imagine if you and I weren't in the way and we could just have divine communication that we completely and fully understood his heart and his purposes and accepted it for the holiness that he is? That was the kind of communication that when Adam and Eve fell was broken in the garden. And that communication, we were made right with God as you and I accepted Christ, as you and I, the Holy Spirit, come to make his home in us. But you and I still are in the flesh. And we still 
our mind gets in the way, who we are gets in the way. And so as we begin to pray in our heavenly language, we begin to have divine communication with God restored to where we can fully understand that what he's trying to say. We may not understand every single word, but as you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden those things which were confusing, those things which you couldn't understand of God or your situation, a moment of time clarity because our communication is made right. 1 Corinthians 14.2 in the New American Standard Bible says, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but for one who understands, but for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. 1 Corinthians 14.2 in the Good News Translation says those who speak in strange tongues do not speak to others but to God because no one understands them. They are speaking secret truths by the power of the Spirit. The same scripture in the message says go after a life of love as if your life depended on it because it does. Give yourselves to the gifts God gives you most of all, try to proclaim his truth. If you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. You know, for those of us that are married in, in this place, we have things between husband and wife that you'll, we'll never be able to communicate to anyone. We understand them, we get them, those intimate things that, that no one else will ever get behind closed doors. The, you can just look at the other person half the time and understand or know or see in part. But imagine when the Spirit of God bubbling up out of us begins to pray to him for us, through us, the intimacies that are had between you and Creator, between you and Father God. It takes us to a place of intimacy with him that no one can shake. Why, why people that have been praying to the Holy Ghost for a long time, why can you not get us out of the presence of God? Why can you not convince us it's of the devil? Because we've been there too long. We've shared too much with the lover of our soul. There's no going back. You can't tell me it's not real because of the places behind the veil that he's taken me in that secret place, in that place that no one can ever go. We can all be here, and that's the awesome thing. And as they were, um, Christina and Grace, as everybody was kind of finding their flow tonight, and like, this is weird, it's the first time we're doing it. And it was funny, because the reality of it is it started off a little bit of the natural. Did it not feel kind of weird at first? But it was so cool, and then all out here, you kind of felt the weirdness too. Am I the, I'm the only one. But everyone was feeling it out. It was a practicum. But there was a moment in time when it shifted. Christine didn't care what the words were supposed to be. She began to bellow out to the Lord in her secret place. You know, she wanted to, she wanted to see his face. She wanted to touch his face. And, and Grace just was going to town. Zach got on the, you know, praying in tongues and singing in tongues. Zach got on the microphone again. He was praying in tongues. And you could hear people out here. And all of a sudden, it was the melodies of heaven. But you, we can't go where each person was. That was the awesome thing, is right there in this place, each of us were found ourselves behind the veil, communicating with Father God in a way that nobody else can understand, nobody else can go there, but He does. 
because it wasn't about one to another in that moment. It was about us communicating to him, us going to him and bellowing out what we needed, what we wanted, what we desired from him. Do I know what we were praying? Absolutely not. I don't need to. I trust him communicating through me. Amen. The gift of tongues. Now, this is a little bit different. This is gonna, where I answer some of your questions. The gift of tongues is separate from our prayer language. The gift of tongues is for the purpose of interpretation. Some of you have asked, why? Why when Pastor Zach and Heather get up there, they praise and they praise in tongues and then nobody interprets? Isn't that unbiblical? I'm so glad you asked. It's absolutely not unbiblical. It's scriptural. On the day of Pentecost, did they have an interpretation? No, they didn't. Peter began to prophesy afterwards, but there was no interpretation. People began, got, when they, Pentecost came, the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues happened. Fire of God comes. People began to pray and worship the King of Kings in a prayer language that only Father God understood. Now, some of the people began to actually pray in um, English or um, known languages, a known dialect, and those could be understood, but it wasn't interpreted because it was a known language. It was already understood. And so the gift of tongues, there's always an interpretation. And we'll have those. We'll have those. But when we begin to pray in our heavenly language, no interpretation is needed because we're praying to God. When the gift of tongues comes, it's God supernaturally downloading within us to speak to his people. When he wants to speak to his people, there's got to be an interpretation. But when you come and speak to God, I don't know about you, but I don't need anybody else knowing what my spirit man is praying to him. That's between me and my dad. But when he comes upon us to speak to the people, there is going to be an interpretation. We're going to get into a lot of detail with that in a couple of weeks when we cover the gifts. But if you have any questions, Facebook message me, stop us. We'll love to talk about it. 1 Corinthians 14.4 in the New King James says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself and he who prophesies edifies the church. So when we begin to pray in tongues, when we are praying our heavenly language, we begin to edify ourselves. One of the biggest distractions you and I have from encountering God, from allowing God to work in our lives, is our mind. And the Bible says, we have, we, who has the mind of Christ? As high as the heavens are above the earth are God's ways from our ways. Why do we try to figure them out? There's gonna, there is a side of us. We're, we are students of the word. We are going to study and study and study. And we want to know. But at some point, we have to begin to yield and say, Lord, you take over. You show me where the spirit and the truth, where the word and your presence kiss and come alive. And so as we begin to pray in tongues, we begin to bypass our minds. We begin to bypass this. And let him go straight to our heart. And that in and of itself begins to edify us. Our minds can tear us down. Our minds can confuse us. Our minds get in the way. How many times do we go to pray and we're like genuinely, I want to pray for my enemy or I want to pray for my situation. I want to pray for my bills. And we begin to say, Lord, I trust you. By the end of that prayer, we're telling him how to fulfill that payment of that bill. 
Well, I don't know about you, but if we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need to be praying to him on how to do it. But as we begin to pray, Lord, I'm bringing my bills to you. I'm bringing this situation. And we begin to go there. We begin to edify ourselves. It's no longer about that bill. It's about the king of kings. It's no longer about my finances and my checkbook, but it's about the one that owns a cattle on a thousand hill. And we begin to yield to him. And all of a sudden, we're no longer stressed about it. We're no longer trying to figure it out and work our way around it. But all of a sudden, we're edified in the Holy Ghost, building ourselves up in our faith by praying in our heavenly language. When we pray in tongues, our spirit prays God's thoughts and his plans. When we are praying in tongues, we are plugged into God and are expressing ourselves to him out of the deep, deep recesses of your spirit. You know, sometimes whenever we're covering this topic, I like to go back to a very tragic day for me. It's kind of humorous, but not really. Zach, when Zach first came to New Orleans, um, he came to our church on a Sunday night. He didn't work for us. He was with another ministry, and um, we met. I did not flirt with him. And he came out with us that night. The young adults were going out for coffee, and he came out with us that night. And I think the next week he started coming to my small group. And so we became friends. A couple months into it, he texts me to go have coffee. And while we're at this coffee place, he's sitting there, and I'm this whole time I'm thinking, like, months, why doesn't he just say he likes me? Has he lost his mind? What is he doing? And I am so furious, but I'm trying to be, like, the good Christian girl right? I'm yielded to God. Really, I was being stubborn. And so Zach sits there, and he begins to pour his heart out to me. Now, ladies, he, any of us would have melted in that seat. I don't know where he learned to talk like that, but he done did good. But I began to cross my arms, sit up a little taller in my seat. And I said, well, that's nice. But let me tell you why it'll never work. And inside, I'm dying because I really, really want to say, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, I've been waiting for you to say something. Oh, my goodness. Every time you call, I, like, want to do a flip. I'm serious. But in the natural, I was so stubborn. And I couldn't do it. And how many of you know we find ourselves with God like that sometimes? In service. Thank God he's just as stubborn as me. It worked out. But so many times we find ourselves in services where God's pulling at our heart. He's talking to us about a situation. But we're so scared for whatever reason. We're not willing to trust him. We're not willing to go there. And we just begin to be stubborn and pig-headed and doing our own thing. This is how I've always done Christianity. This is how I've always done church. That's not sin. And, and we begin to rationalize our natural mindedness out of our own personal fears or insecurities or whatever it is. But when we begin to pray in our heavenly language, we get past all that. We get past all of that. We begin to edify ourselves and begin to go places within ourselves, the deep, deep places that we've longed to come out. 
There's a psalm that says, search me, O God. Search me even in the hidden places, Lord. Come and search me, God, if there's any evil way in me. When I first got a hold of that scripture, I began to realize, now I know I'm a woman and we're very complex, but so are men. But that scripture became so alive that it was like universes and solar systems deep within the human being. Between our souls, between our nature, between our minds, our emotions, and all the things that happen. And I begin to realize, I don't even know myself but God. But the places I've let him take me. So as you and I begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, it begins to edify ourselves. Because we get past our mind. We get past the control of, of don't go there. And just say, oh, Ramashe, Nteri Asakaye, Rabanda, Laliende, Kliama, Sandiono. And all of a sudden, you'll, we'll find ourselves praying in the craziest languages and on the floor and laughing and rolling and crying and with so much passion and intercession coming upon us. And we won't even begin to understand half of it, but we'll be freer than we ever have been. We'll be built up in our faith. We will be edified because we're no longer controlling ourselves, controlling our situation, controlling our Christianity, and unfortunately trying to control our God. So you and I need to pray in the Holy Ghost, having divine communication restored, that we might be edified. First Corinthians, Zach, I don't have my phone for time, so you're going to have to help me. Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 says, What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. We need both our prayer language and our natural language. They're both extremely vital when we communicate with God. We need to be able to, there's another psalm that says, Pour out your heart to God, that he might become your shelter. You and I need to be able to stop saying he is my shelter and let him become it by praying in our natural language. We need to run to him in the natural. And then we need to, as fast as we run to him in the natural, we need to hold up. And we need to begin to yield to him and begin to pray in our heavenly language, letting the divine communication take over that we would fully be able to understand and comprehend his heart and his nature in every situation. And that we go past our, ourselves and begin to express ourselves through his spirit. As we begin to pray in our heavenly language, we become more aware of the spiritual realm. How many times when you go to pray and you're praying in the natural and you're praying about a situation, you end up becoming more furious over the situation, more upset more disheartened because you just keep going at the situation. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about when you begin to pray over a situation, the natural, and pray scripture. That'll set you free right there, too. I'm talking just going in the natural, praying and praying, and going head-to-head -head with God, and, and you're, getting, you're getting more frustrated and more flustered. Well, as you and I begin to yield and stop that nonsense, yield to the Holy Ghost, begin to pray in our heavenly language, the natural becomes less of a reality and the spiritual realm begins to blow up in our lives and the natural world doesn't seem so big anymore 
The natural world doesn't seem so difficult anymore because all of a sudden we're quite aware that we're singing with angels. We're quite aware of who's on the throne. We're quite aware that God's working on our behalf. You and I spend a huge portion of our lives doing natural things. We go to bed. We get up. We brush our teeth. We take showers. We got to fix breakfast. We got to go to work, talk to people all day, drive in the car, red light, green light, go, stop. We got to email. We got to text. We got to Facebook, Instagram, tweet, tweet. I mean, you, you get what I'm saying. There's just natural things that happen in a day. And all of these things, now we're not saying they're bad, but they're just natural. And as we go about our day, they get on us. Just the, it's like the, we talk about Mardi Gras and you go out in the streets and whether you want to or not, you're going to come back filthy. It's just, you just want to get home and take a shower. It's the muck of the world. As you and I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, you and I begin to pray in our heavenly language, all of a sudden that natural realm just kind of dissipates, just kind of becomes a little bit smaller. Like Zach was talking about Sunday, when you get in that airplane and you take off, the world is so big. But when you're up in the clouds, when you're soaring on wings of eagles, the heavens is more of a reality than this natural world we live in. And I know we only got through one point tonight, but I think heaven is in this place. I think we're beginning to understand just a little bit more that I'm not just a whack that wants you to pray in tongues. Grace, y'all can start coming up. There's biblical, godly reasons why it's good, beneficial for you and I to get past our natural mind Get past our natural thinking and begin to yield to the Holy Spirit. To begin to commune and talk with our God. Remember when you first met your spouse and you would talk for hours on the phone? Hours. You couldn't get enough. How much more with our Heavenly Father should we just want to commune? Divine communication. I just want to talk with you. I just want to walk with you in the cool of the day. Back in New Orleans, our staff, the going joke was, I always know where Pastor Heather is because you can always hear her singing in tongues. And it just becomes our way of life. My sister, who's probably one of the best people I know, who's absolutely not born again, she'll be, I'll be doing stuff with her. She's like, what language? I didn't know you learned Spanish. I'm like, I don't know what that language is, but, and I don't speak Spanish, but do you want to keep going? And she's like, okay. You know, she just thinks I'm weird. But even my, even my unsaved family members accept the fact that she just walks and talks with God. I'm not doing it to be obnoxious. I'm not doing it to be, to be a show. I'm doing it because that's just the way I live life. I just want to walk with him. And I want to talk with him. How about you?